0: It's the Punk Rock Classrooms Podcast. Punk Rock Collaboration with Nick Acosta. We're from Alright everybody, this is Josh Buckley, co-host of the Punk Rock Classrooms Podcast. This week, Mike and I got to sit down... With Nick Acosta, who runs Numerality Zine, which is both a zine and a record label. He's also a high school uh, uh, English teacher in the Chicago area, and we wanted to talk to him about punk rock, about the hardcore scene, about running a zine, a record label, and how that all intersects uh, with education and being a teacher. and And this is a super fun interview. Uh, it's a little long, uh, but I think you'll enjoy it. We had a really good conversation uh, about education, about his viewpoint. on it and then of course we dive into a little bit of hardcore a little bit of punk rock and a little bit about what it's like to run a zine and teach at the same time so check it out glad you're here glad you're listening so let's get to the interview all right everybody i'm super excited mike are you super excited I'm super excited. Super excited. All right, so we have a guest on today. We're going to talk about running a label. We're going to talk about education. We're going to talk about the scene. I'm super excited. Uh, Nick Acosta is with us. Nick, hello. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thank you all so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, Honestly, it's always, again, kind of like we were talking pre-recording. It's always nice to see and talk with somebody who's intersection of punk and (laughs) teaching somehow uh are used to make money so I, right I we,
0: we, we found we found <laughs> we found, a way. We found <laughs> it yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we were talking to uh we were talking to uh Danny Papa from Element 101 he's like well being a teacher is just like being on stage so of course like you you find your way into oh, yeah. that role of an educator so I want I want to kind of start with that Nick I want to start with this idea of like tell us about yourself in the education world tell us about yourself in the scene punk hardcore world tell us like where are you at in both of those places what do you do
1: Cool. Uh, so this is my 13th year in the classroom. Um, I've been in Chicago now for nine years. But I started my teaching career uh, in New York City. I did a program called Teach for America. Uh, nice. And we can, we can talk about that at length too and, and some of the topics around <laughs> that. But um, I started there. So I taught for two years in the South Bronx when I first started, then one year in Brooklyn, and then I moved out to Chicago. So I've been teaching in Chicago now for nine years um, I work at a school that I, uh, I love. I am very fortunate to, I think, work in the school I work in, although there's a lot of area for growth, which I'm sure will probably come up in conversation. Um, but I, I actually went to university, went to Seattle University and studied teaching. So I was a humanities for teaching major. Somehow along the way, when I was, you know, filling out applications, teaching yeah. just sounded like something I'd be interested in. Didn't really know what else I would do, but I definitely had a passion and penchant for history. And I think that, again, stems from, my involvement in punk rock and just kind of like knowing uh the many ills and injustices of the world which kind of fueled fueled a lot of my motivation um and in terms of my bona fides for punk rock uh somewhat similar i you know i've been involved in the chicago hardcore scene for nine years very involved in new york um had lots of really good friends seattle when i was living in seattle was at the height of a lot of like the pacific northwest hardcore so thinking like it alone blue monday lots of like really really good
0: i do like, love blue monday. bands at that time a, oh yeah a, oh man they're so good
1: <laughs> very good i could talk i can again i could talk like at length <laughs> about even my time there but um kind of been involved in punk and hardcore since i would say like sophomore year of high school is when i started to really get more into like the quote-unquote like more more straightforward punk and like yeah. more straightforward hardcore and yeah, stuff yeah. but not really you know involved in the periphery in high school um some shows where it would overlap where there'd be like a genuine hardcore band but most like garbage local stuff and then you know it wasn't until i went to college where it was like i could go to a show every night of the school week and i wouldn't get in trouble for it and so it was a lot easier i think to like assimilate and become a part of the scene there so
0: so did you grow up in in the pacific northwest or did you just go to college out there
1: I just went to college. so I grew up in Colorado. Okay. Okay. So yeah, you have so. been you've been in every been time everywhere. zone. You, I've bounced done- around. <laughs> I making the rounds. This is probably the the end of the line, but yes. Yeah. So so Colorado, Seattle, New York, and Chicago. Awesome. Wow. Awesome. So that's cool. The, yeah.
0: You've got you've got that that Northwest scene, the New York scene, and the Chicago scene. That's all that's all really good stuff to be in and It is good. So, Definitely. So tell us a little bit about, so what, what, what do you teach? What grade do you teach? What's that look like? And then yeah. what are you involved in, in the, in the world of hardcore and punk and stuff like that?
1: Cool. So currently this year I teach uh, a class that I renamed over the summer. It's called Contemporary Literature and Culture uh, to 12th Graders. For the last two years, it was world lit and comp, but I, okay. I hate teaching writing. So I was like, how do I get that out of there? So that way I'm not held accountable for English standards and stuff like that. <laughs> and so I was able to, to weasel my way with some, you know, some intellectual jargon from Google. Um, and so I'm a content area teacher. But yeah. prior to that, I worked in special education as a lit- as a literacy specialist and a learning specialist. So that was kind of like my start to education. Um I taught several, like, iterations of, like, self-contained classes, co op classes, kind of ran the gamut in terms of what I uh, was a, like, direct instructor for. So, um, yeah, so this is my third year as, like, a content area teacher, I guess you would say. Um, And then in terms of punk rock and hardcore, currently I I, I run a a very DIY record label slash zine called New Morality Zine. Um, And that's been going now i guess for about six years six and a half years so you know the story goes it was a it was a teacher summer i have a hard time you know right s- sitting still right. so you know how do i keep myself busy i tried to start a band uh didn't work out super well people kind of ended up moving to back to new york and to era Ari- actually new york and arizona <laughs> so that ended rather quickly and i thought well as an introvert what is something I can still do to give back oh I can I can make a zine and so that's kind of where it all stems so it was a couple years of zine making and then you know with you know with a lot of people there's always like that scratch where you're like man I really wish one day I could just put out a record right so I took the plunge and been doing that for two years as like a kind of an additional thing with the zine,
0: living that, awesome. DIY, leaving that DIY life, man. <laughs>
1: yeah, trying to, you know, I, I, I always aim to kind of. I was joking with somebody today, um, a couple of weeks ago. Actually, you might have seen it, but I was like, buy a buy a fake guy's record this weekend. Like, you could maybe get a test press. <laughs> Um, and so three people bought a record and I was like, Oh, I feel bad. I can't choose. Like, I don't want to just draw. Right. So I just said, screw it. And I sent all three of them a test press. And so I got texts today and I was kind of joking, like my love language is acts of service. And so I think that even running a zine and a label is kind of like, you know, an iteration of, of doing that. That's awesome. That's so what exactly. So, uh, so the, the teaching came
0: before the zine, um, So, but what I want to know is, so let's let's talk a little bit about how each of those, how how becoming an educator started and how like getting in the scene started. So, here's what I want to know: what album or band got you into like the scene? Got you into the punk hardcore scene? And then the next question: what teacher or class got you into education? What do you think? What's the what's what formed you as as a kid in the scene and then becoming an educator?
1: I mean, so again, when, when I was in high school, a lot of it wasn't straightforward, hardcore. Yeah, you know, At the yeah. time, it was, I'm 35, so I don't know, if, I, I'm assuming 30, we we're probably all around, so, yeah. yeah, around <laughs> 40. the same, so, oh, there you I'm, go. I'm old, I'm old, <laughs> old yeah, <laughs> I know, I had, I was doing my identity <laughs> wheel for class with my students, and I put middle-aged, and my co-teacher was like, you're not middle-aged, and I googled it, and I was like, I am, it's 35 to 58 is middle age. Like the kids, I know that's just like old, no matter which way you cut yeah. it. But um, so again, growing up, it was a lot of, I was very interested in, you know, my sister loved like Beastie Boys, Cranberries, yeah. Stone Devil Pilots, so a lot of like that stuff. And then of course my cousin introduced me like to the Deftone, Sepultura. So I was getting conflicting kind of like musical taste. But yeah. At the same time, there was obviously a lot of overlap. And then there was the whole like new metal phase and then it was like the metalcore phase. So I definitely started dipping my toes with independent music more like the metalcore kind of lane of things. Yeah, everybody
0: listen to Coal Chamber. It's okay. Yeah.
1: You can't can't hate on that. Dude, honestly... today like weirdly that's what somebody just sent me a text that said they sold a corn poster mm-hmm. for 70 dollars on depop so yes wow. way i will send you all a picture of the poster afterwards <laughs> so you know it, what goes around comes around but again it was kind of around that time and then uh we started listening to then like more straightforward punk. So like the exploited and things like that were yeah. kind of popular in colorado and a friend of mine at school actually um was like man you know you like you like punk and hardcore and you like my band like check out a band called like terror. And I was like, all right. And so of course it was like, I think it was a, an amp comp or an ape alternative press comp or something mm-hmm. yeah. that was like a terror track, a mad ball track. Like, so that it was kind of like, that was when I was like, all right, I'm down with push it away. Like that <laughs> right. is, I'm down with that. Like, I love this, like, kind of emo metal corey stuff. I still like that, but it's like, this is kind of where it's at. So again, there was a lot of that, overlap like yeah sophomore junior senior year but again right when I got to college that faded away kind of quickly because it was so much more straightforward hardcore because it was just more rooted in the scene in Seattle right, than it right. wasn't Colorado right. and so it was it was hard to avoid like brotherhood and himsa and like yeah. the things that were a lot more straightforward and so that's kind of i right haven't
2: heard anybody did. say himsa in years oh man
1: john <laughs> pettibone is one of yes. the nicest people i have I have ever met when i when i first moved out there he worked the door at a venue uh it was called el corazon at the time i can't remember what they changed the name to but he worked the door and so i remember going like kind of intimidated too because I didn't know a lot of hardcore kids like early on but I recognized him and so yeah. I was kind of like holy cow like <laughs> he was just very nice and actually I did a radio show in college and so he was one of my early guests um, awesome yeah it was great oh, But uh, an embarrassing moment was you know he was like what do you have in here and I was like I don't know like kind of random things like do you have any integrity and I was like I think we do and I pulled it off the shelf of like the the library and it was integrity 2000 and I was just embarrassed <laughs> embarrassed but yeah yeah
0: so that that's what you got that's that's what got you to the scene you talked a little bit about sort of um you know you did teach for America and we can talk a little bit about what that experience <laughs> was like yeah but you said that you were trying to figure out well what am I going to do and you know you decided it's going to be it's going to be education you went into the world of special ed but you had mentioned sort of like history being a subject that, that got you into sort of the idea of education. So was there a teacher or a class or a reason that you were like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. And if not, I mean, I like, I've been there and I know that for me sometimes like I didn't find it until it wasn't really school, but the very first time I got into the classroom, I was like, yep, yeah, this is, this is the
1: thing. Right. So how did it work yeah, for you yeah. to,
0: how, to do that for you?
1: I think again get at the, at the onset of just, you know, even applying to school. Yeah i kind of i mean again it was just like there are weird things where you know in your life like that just had to have been fake because i don't really vividly remember but i do know like kind of similarly looking back on it history in particular i had a a teacher i went to an all boys jesuit high school okay um for high school so we can we can unpack that too at some <laughs> point very affluent white school but um a lot of it again was rooted in like social justice, and so we did a lot of like community service learning, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But I had a teacher. His name was Mr. Gold, and his his son was actually in my class, and he was just a phenomenal history teacher. You know, like very kind of like Dead Poet Society esque, you could guess, where it's like throwing a shoe, you know, represent like representing all these scenes in history and stuff. And I just just always remember like being excited about his class, and he would say like you got to piss all over your notes. And like, the thing is, I don't remember what the acronym now stands for, but it was something about like note-taking, but he'd say piss and like, like, yeah, that's so cool. Like <laughs> he told us to piss all over our notes. Like that, that's that's awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I was just really kind of drawn to like, just how, you know, you can tell when someone is committed to their curriculum and their content. Yeah. And he just really like brought that to class. And so I really enjoyed that in terms of like, the educational content side of things and then I had another I was actually thinking about this today um I had another teacher he was my math teacher I definitely you know in ter- if we were to if I were to ask my school's administration if there was tracking they would probably admittedly say yes because I definitely think that I was in a math track where it was like we were outside and not in the inside building and it was definitely you know so and I was never yeah. very good at math admittedly but he one thing I always remember learning from him was it was never really the content of math that he would teach us like small life lessons along the way. He'd be like, Oh, you got, you got to ops. You got to organize and prioritize and sacrifice. Like that's how like I do track and that's how I coach. And that's, and so like even like weirdly, you know, those small things that a teacher says, like they spend five minutes on, but you can tell again, like there's a level of passion there that is, aside from content and being here, like that is something that they actually live out. And so like some of those things kind of stuck with me as I went into kind of my first foray into teaching at university and stuff. So,
2: you know, you touched on a key a key concept there. Like, you know, we talk about passion all the time. Like you've got to bring passion. We talk about how, you know, punk rock and hardcore bands bring passion and the ones that are truly passionate about what they do, like the whole venue erupts. Like it, oh, yeah. Josh always references, Boy Says Fire Show. And the place was just electric. Like everyone was a part. It's not just the band. Everyone's mm-hmm. a part of the show. And it's so true. And I've been saying this to, to staff, you know, you need to bring that passion because that's, what's going to connect with kids. And, and Nick, you said, the teachers that made the impact on you are not the ones that were teaching you the math facts you need to know. And and when I was in the classroom, that's what kids would tell me, like at the end of the year, cause I taught middle school, yeah. I would always kind of ask them like a college course, like, what was good about this Mm -hmm. this year what do i need to prove on for next year and they always said every year we love your stories we love how you don't hide things from us Mm -hmm. and you share your life and you share your experiences because that's what we're going to learn from and i think you know education is so much more than just here's your standards here's your curriculum do like to me that's that's not even second that's like third and fourth down the list absolutely yeah being a principal, like people look at me, are like, "Do um, you still want a I, job? Like you should." Yeah, be and I that. applaud you for that. Yeah, <laughs> but it's so true. Like we've got so much more things to do than than teach these standards right now.
0: Yeah, so, absolutely. Oh, so especially right now, right? Like we talk especially about especially right now <clears throat> that That's... idea of like you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and we go like, look at where we're at right now. You know, like how can we how can we expect to like you know, like I look, I teach AP economics, right? Okay. And, my kids came, like we went back last week for the first time in person, right? We start, we're starting this hybrid okay. thing where, where I see my kids two days a week. Like half, okay, okay. Yeah. And so I, you know, half of my kids come in on an A day, the other half come in on a mm-hmm. B day and then we have Wednesdays off and then we do it again, Thursday and Friday. And the very first day that my AP kids came in, we played with Play-Doh. Like I bought a little tub. High school with, kids. I, high school nice. kids, right? Yeah. 12th graders, right? I bought them a little yep. tub of Play-Doh because where I was like, okay, I want us to have like a Let's let's just do. So we're gonna learn about GDP and we're gonna calculate GDP today, but we're gonna do it in a really dumb, fun way because I don't like, I don't want to sit and lecture today. Like that's that's a weird thing to do when we haven't set foot in one of these rooms mm-hmm. since in March months. Yeah, right? like how Absolutely. do we how do we do that? So I, you know, Nick, you you talked about this idea. You know, you talked about that sort of that passion from that teacher and and you know seeing those things. So I, you know, Mike, like Mike said, we talk about that as like, we saw that in punk rock and, and we think that we need to bring that into our classrooms. And so I want to ask you, like, what lessons from the scene, you talked about like in yeah. college, right? When you're learning how to be an educator, we're going mm-hmm. through that sort of like, and this is how you make a lesson plan. Right? And
1: all, <laughs> yeah. that, all that. I do, we do, you do. Yeah. right?
0: All that, you know, what's the... Uh, <laughs> participatory set or whatever it is. Like, I, don't yeah. even remember, I don't remember what I, it is. Anticipatory,
1: I
2: haven't heard that. Yeah, anticipatory Ant, yeah, yeah. Anticipatory I haven't heard that since sense college.
0: <laughs> Michael, I don't even know what it means. I don't even remember what it means. <laughs> so.
1: And you do it for two minutes and they're like, all right, now we're down to business. Now that you've had fun for two minutes, here's the real well, grade this is you're what gonna we're do. Yes. This is really what we're doing.
0: So I wanna I want to ask you like, what do you, do you think there's something from, from the scene, what do you think being in the hardcore and punk scene What, what lessons from that do you bring into your classroom, especially when you're working, you know, you said you started off in sort of the self-contained special ed with a co-teacher world, especially a brand new out the gate teacher. Oh yeah. In a teach for America program in New York, right? Like you're, you are, you are in a difficult spot. So did anything from the scene kind of help you out or do you take any of that with you when you first started or today, does any of that come with you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because and immediately my go-to answer is exactly what I've been, I've been waiting to post this. Cause I just recently finished a, um, uh 1000 words or less podcast. I don't know if you're familiar, but I'd recommend listening to it. Um, and there was an interview with Rob fish from, you know, 108 resurrection. And the, the interviewer was asking, you know, Rob, like you're in the business world. Like you did, you know, you told us you didn't go to college. Like what sets you apart from your peers? Like wh- yeah. why do you, why are you valued? And it's, his answer is very similar to what I, what I think about it's, there is nothing like hardcore and DIY punk that instills the ethics of just like, there's always a way like, like we, and if there's not like, we are going to make that way any possible way. You know what I mean? Like there's that, that drive that you have being involved in DIY punk that I don't think people outside of that scene or that realm, really internalized to the degree that, at which I think we do, right? Like, there is always this drive that, you know what? Like, I can fix this problem. I can help this. Or, you know, I, I am also, you know, if, my wife, if my, if my wife is listening, which I'm sure she is because I talk so loud, it's another thing. But um, <laughs> it's, I am content with creating from the beginning and going up. And for yeah. teachers, you, you don't want to reinvent the wheel as like the thing you always hear. But it's like, you know what? Actually, sometimes... <laughs> You really (laughs) do have to. And like, again, going back to the idea of passion and like realism, like when I do that, I am that much more invested in what I then do or bring to my students. Right. right? If I, if I'm going off some sort of scripted curriculum, like where's the truth in that for me? And that, and that leads like literally to no results in terms of relationships or academics. And so that is something that I've always really tried to bring to the classroom in my first year teaching as much of a a you know, S show in chaos, it completely was. Like kids saw that like, I was there late at night cutting out posters, you know, or, or making the hand, like the manipulatives by hand. Like, I think kids just could kind of tell. And so there's that willingness also, kind of like you were saying, Michael, like there has to be a little bit of humanity brought to the teaching profession so kids can find that connection. Because if there's no human connection and there's no relationship, there's no trust. If there's no trust, there's no vulnerability. If there's no vulnerability, there is no deep education happening. It is all very surface level. Right. And so that is something that going into the classroom, I really tried uh, to emulate. And I think that is given to me from the pathos or ethos of, you know, punk rock and hardcore. And luckily, like I joke and I, I'm going to, when we're done here, I'm going to text this person off. he has to listen, but uh, I did teach for America and my, Um, what were they called at the time? Like my supervisor at the time was actually a hardcore kid and he's now like my best friend. And so the story is um, we were at Institute, which is like the summer training for Teach for America. And I hadn't met him yet, but he was standing in line and he was wearing a verse shirt. And so of (laughs) course, like, me you know just moved to new york where i'm at institute with you know 800 people i've never met and i see somebody with a hardcore shirt so i like beeline it's like it.
0: instant like, community right instant,
1: instant i'm like hi my name is nick like pleased to meet you i like hardcore too like total dweed like total dweeb and so it's funny because he jokes now he's like man he's like i was you know macking with the woman behind me and you just interjected to talk about verse like how rude of you but he ended up being like my school leader during institute. He ended mm-hmm. up uh being my I can't they were called CMs at the time. So he was like my managing person. So he would come yeah. to my classroom and he would offer like instruction on like my reading curriculum and things like that. And so, you know, I very his name is Brian Wallace. I want to make sure I like explicitly say Brian Wallace. I love <laughs> you because you know, without him my first year especially I don't honestly know what I would have done because having again, uh, again going back to that human connection having even just that person right who is coming from the same wavelength as me right helped like legit just working with me just helped me a ton versus even some of the people at my own school at the time i could tell there was there was some contention cuz we just weren't on the same track right like it was like you know my principal my second uh, second or first year teaching it was like now I came in into a meeting. I was like, Oh, my student, you know, and at the time looking back at my language used to probably not wise choice, but I was like, you know, my students failed this exam or whatever. And he was like, they didn't fail. I was like, you failed them. And just like, it's like, let's take a step <laughs> back. You know what I mean? But I would have never, I don't think I would have ever gotten that from Brian. It would have been yeah. more constructive. You know what I mean? I think because right. there was a lot more commonality there. Well,
0: you you built that relationship.
1: Like you said, you know, Yeah, it's important in this time too. like, hear what the kids need and what the kids want is like where i am like really pushing for the most this year because Mm -hmm. to everybody's point we've said this like there's a hierarchy of priorities this year and like being okay as a person should be number one (laughs) right (laughs) number two is like being okay as a person and being able to show up right number three being okay as a person (laughs) and being able to contribute in this space right we will get to those other things i think there's this mad dash and this rush for people to get like into the content and sign up for those programs because we're worried we're losing time right and this is like me totally on soapbox but it's like now is not the time to even be worried about this it's like really take the time to think about what is like what is your why of teaching and how can you have that happen this year is going to be most important because, you know, who knows, this could be two more years. And if that's the case, like, we need to have a better foundation than we did in March for sure. It's true. I
2: I was talking to a teacher today and I mean, she's like, I've heard like we could be wearing masks and doing things like this till 2022. Like no one knows. Um, And I can tell you from, from, my position, you know, I'm in every single classroom. I I I'm still going into classrooms, even though that's everything's awesome. remote. And yeah. you know what, you know what the kids want? They don't want you to have the big fancy program yeah. that's gonna do math facts with them because my teachers are telling me, hey, it's their lunchtime. Every day this kid's he's still talking. Just talking, yeah. And I go, you know why? Because yeah. he wants to connect with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah They've been yeah. out of school since yeah. March. they don't care that it's their lunchtime or it's their, you know, their, their recess time. and It's your plan time. They, because the teachers are leaving their, their meetings on, they're not saying, Hey, it's elementary. So they're not saying "Log off, come back on. They don't want to lose them. They're they're just like, Hey, turn your, turn your stuff off. Yeah. Every single class has these kids. I mean, Mm -hmm. and that just tells us, they just want that connection as people, like with their teacher.
1: I mean, so I, I think a big thing, and it's hard for teachers to hear, especially now, but I think there's, I think that, you know, the remote context, although it is terrible in terms of the ability to to maybe be in front of kids and whatnot, I think it really is affording us as educators the opportunity to, again, like I'm saying, like think about what your curriculum truly means and what it is and how you want it to actually go. Because I I have so much more leniency to to take, to to throw out my entire placing, my entire placing pacing plan I'll say that 10 times because <laughs> it just it it's null and void at this point right, like right. there's no way I can teach an entire 320 page book via a 45 minute lesson twice So you know what I mean so I think like it really affords us the opportunity to step back and examine like again what is our priorities and what do I what do I actually hope to have students internalize in this class and doing that is, is really important to take that step back um and so it's super weird that we're in that context. But I think it's it's a valuable time for educators to, to do that to consider like, right. truly, what is it that you hope for students and to your point too, like, again, kids just literally want to hang out. Like, yeah. right. My advisory is the same. I have an advisory and it's all it's all 12th graders. Um, And in school, you know, I, maybe I'll send them this, but when we're in school, man, they give me a run for my money. They give me a, they give (laughs) me a hard time. They love, they, they know how to push my buttons and I'm very visible sometimes, but now in the remote context, like I'm loving it. Right. Because I'm not prioritizing the same things. Like I felt the pressure to at school was like, all right, here's this college thing. Like we need to go over this. Like let's check your dashboard. What's your GPA like? Like, I have done none of that. And instead it's like, all right, we're jumping on this pop culture kahoot, like stick around if you want to. And kids are doing that. Like yeah. versus last year, it would have been a fight to have them like sit right. in different groups to try and do something like that. But they really are craving that time just to, again, like they don't see people, you know, they are craving that right. time to communicate and be, you know, joke around and yeah. burn somebody on scribble IO and their garbage, <laughs> when their garbage picture looks nothing like the word. <laughs>
0: Right. And I nice. like I, I think you're right. I think you know, I was opening up when we first started back remote, because we started August 4th. So we start back stupid early. Oh, wow, yeah. In in Arizona. Early. So we started back August 4th remote. And for the first couple of weeks, like I would open up my my live class like 10 minutes early. And I'd have one or two kids come in. They knew I was, and I told everybody, I'm going to open it up 10 minutes early. So if you guys want to come in, whatever, it's cool. I had one kid who would come in every day. We'd talk guitars. We'd nice. talk, you know, you can see my guitar behind me. Yeah. Right? So Beautiful. like when I do my, when I do my class, like I, they'd be like, oh, you know, when I was at home teaching, cause we got to teach from our houses, it was, it was, um, oh, Mr. Buckley, look, he gets his guitar out. <laughs> he's like, check out this sweet jazz chord I learned. Right. And That's it was just, amazing. it was that time just to connect with kids and. We can say whatever we want about. It. I didn't. I don't get that time
2: in any my space class. Else.
0: In, in, any any yeah. other space, right? Like in yeah. no other space can it can a when I'm talking about something can a girl's cat come up and then we all get to talk <laughs> about her cat, right? Like you yeah. get that you get that moment to really learn about each other. And yeah, am I moving a little slower than I'd want to in content? Sure. Yeah. But like you said, that that relationship, and I think that's something that we pull from 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 that hardcore punk rock scene 100%, is yeah. the scene, right? Like that that unity and that connection that you get with people that are in this thing with you. You said it like people don't understand it if nope. if you weren't necessarily in it. Not that they can't. Not that they can't connect with sort of the big pieces of what it for meant, for sure. Right, and there's
1: an on-ramp for everybody. For right, sure.
0: right. Um, but I, I think that's true. So here's here's what I you know you're you're running the zine, you're 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 an educator. What keeps you going in the classroom, and what keeps you going as an educator, and what keeps you going in you know, doing the work of new moralities, you know, what, what, what is, what keeps you going in both of those areas? Is it similar? Is it different? Do they play to a different part of you? What what do you think keeps you going in both of those worlds? Because it's tough to be a teacher right now.
1: <laughs> it is like, very yeah. tough. Yeah. I mean, as, <laughs> admittedly, aside from not knowing anything else, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the joke is always like, I honestly don't know what I would do because this is all <laughs> I've kind of done, you know, since, right? since high school and college. So it's the, you know, like I could make coffee I'm pretty, getting pretty good at <laughs> these espresso shots but um, yeah I don't know I think that what keeps me going is really just even the amount of growth and education and learning or rather like unlearning I have done as a person helps me to then really bring that passion to, to my classroom and I think that every year is different and I think that's going back to Michael's point too is like it is very easy to, 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 become stagnant in, you know, any sort of fixed mindset, but as educators being specifically, when you're like, ah, I've been doing this, you know, I, you know, I hear people all the time, like, this is my fifth year teaching. I'm like, that doesn't mean shit. Like five <laughs> right. years is nothing. You know what I mean? Like right. literally nothing. You know, not that 13 years is, uh, is grand either, but it's, you know, it's a lot more than five and two and one. And so I think it's this idea of like, we cannot settle. There's no fixed mindset. Right. Like, just like you would tell the students, like, you can always learn something new. And so for a teacher, I just am passion with this idea of like, what I learn new, like I want to find ways to reciprocate that and bring that to the classroom. What I unlearn and I, you know, this year is a big year of that for me is like, how do I communicate that then, that process with students? And so that keeps me going because again, like a couple of years ago, there was definitely a point where I was like, it might've been around year 10 where I was like, this is, I like, it. this is just too much. And I was, you know, more recently a father too. And so it's like, you're a dad you're doing a zine you all these things it's like it's just you know that because the misconception is like oh after a year or two like you don't bring work home and it's like i don't know if i've never not brought work home kind of you know what i mean and again even okay, if you don't bring you. stuff even if you don't bring you stuff bring to grade it's still it's like, like it's here and exactly. right? it's on your and shoulders that's what people don't right. understand is like i you know some nights you lose sleep when you think about that student yeah. and that interaction you had and you're like damn, I really messed that up or whatever it is. And it's just kind of ongoing. Or, so,
0: you know, you hear something that a kid tells you about a part of their life. I remember a conversation I had, I, have, I had a student and um, she was like, Hey, Mr. Buckley, um, I'm going to be out for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, that, that's, I, I get it. So uh, what's, you know, what's going on? She's like, well, um, my brain tumor came back and, oh, wow. you know, we don't have insurance because my parents are here, you know, my parents are, mm-hmm. are here are undocumented yeah. and I, I don't have insurance. So uh, she had had, she had had brain cancer before and she had said, uh, so Our my physician told me that I have to go into the emergency room and say that I have a headache oh. and they'll do a CAT scan and they'll see that I have yeah, a, yeah. I have a tumor, my tumor's back and they can do surgery. So she's like, so I don't know how long it's going to take. And I'm like, you do whatever you like, I don't, I, whatever you need me to do. And then you, you sit with that. And you, you said this unlearning piece of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I think that that's the other part that, that when you look at education from the outside, you don't see all of the stuff, all the stories from kids, all the things that you do that when you're walking through your life, you, you, you don't necessarily see, but when a, when a senior in high school says, I've got to go to the emergency room so that they'll, so that they can work on my tumor because I don't have insurance because people don't like that. My parents are here with, you know, they came here illegally or what, like that's, that is so messed up and you go like, and that sits with you right like yeah, that's yeah. just something that you go why like why is the world like this okay i'm doing one good thing by being in the classroom i'm staying right yeah. like you know
1: and it's a face and not just the, the passing right. news story you know what i mean that you yeah. might maybe hear and 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 the thing too with like students is like that's that student but student to the right who knows what the right, story or right, situation right. is you know what i mean it's it, it everybody has that story you know and especially with depend you know obviously various populations and stuff like that and demographics, there are, you know, a multitude of issues for everyone, yeah. but it's, it's very hard to kind of back away from that. Even when you're at, you are at it right. can be very taxing. Right. And so um, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying. And so, yeah, so that kind of keeps me going, but again, there was, there's definitely been points, points, points along the way where it's like, yeah, this is just too much, <laughs> you know, or, or I want to work, you know, Huge shout out to Michael because I was a a grade level chair one year, so I was teaching ninth grade and was like the department facilitator for ninth grade, working with adults. And I was like, "This shit sucks." (laughs) So props because, yo, because working with adults a thousand times more difficult than teaching kids, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. So when you're saying like, you know, you're doing these things and send these emails, that's good because. I love my principal and I you know, I was just texting with her cause I was writing pretty hard on, there was a friend of mine, uh, he lives in Philly, it's actually Sean from Sunstroke, he sings for the band, but his yeah. son um, goes to school, they live in Philly and he sent me a screenshot of uh, an email that his son's school sent out just kind of addressing, you know, yesterday's verdict in Louisville and yeah. how them as a community, like they are, they're sure to continue to like stand in solidarity and are actively fighting against systemic and, you know, racism and stuff. And so part of the work I've been doing this year at my school is I've uh, volunteered over the summer. We, a group of us began like a diversity uh, equity inclusion kind of super group. Yeah. Nice. Um, And so I sent that to my principal today and I was like, you know, here's just food for thought as you know, maybe there's messaging or not. I don't know if there would have been, but I pushed on that and sent that to her and she was like, you know what, you're right. Like let's meet later today. Let, Let me get your feedback on your message. Um, And those are things now, especially that, like, I am super fired up about, like, again, that, that, how do I bring that to my classroom and let my students know, because it simultaneously fires me up and simultaneously digs me to the, you know, the deepest depths of where it might be, because everything is just compounded and compounded, but, um, so that definitely keeps me going.
0: So I want to ask, this is, this is the, this is the part where we're going to fall into punk rock and the scene to end it where do you where where are you finding bands what do you like how do you as a teacher find the time to go like <laughs> yep this is the one i want to put something out for and how does that work where are you finding that
1: how are you juggling all that you said you're a parent you're an
0: educator you're yeah. like how do you handle all that
1: i mean i i was, as a teacher too it's like I maximize every minute, right? Right. So, so literally, like right bell before bell, this, right? Be, yeah, like right before this, I'm sending uh, an email to my t-shirt printing company about making sure these shirts are done. So it's like I've literally gotten really good about maximizing any sort of free time I have. And again, like I, I'm a busybody by nature. Like my yeah. both of my parents, like God, like help them and love them. Like they both work tirelessly and just work all the time. And so I think that's something that I've you know, for good or bad, like, that's something I've kind of developed, but I I don't, like, I don't chill, like, I I don't, I don't even know, like, the last, like, TV show I've watched kind of thing, like, I'm not, I don't do that, it's, like, I'm doing something, right, and so, um, so that's helped me to keep, I think, the label, like, not only afloat, but also relevant, which I think is important right now, and can be really hard, and so, like, people are taking a back seat. And I think it's all like, it depends on where you are at, but it's like, for me, this is still a good time to release music because kind of like with everything, like if I put, and which I do, which I hope, and I can hope it comes across, like if I put value on this thing, people will then find that value, right? And so like, whether it's released during a pandemic where there's no shows, like if I place value and emphasis on this, like people will catch on and they'll buy it. And like the Fake Eyes album was like a perfect example. It was supposed to have come out god i think the final mastering was done like in in we were originally we were were supposed to do a december release which now is just laughable because they weren't even done recording but they were going to go on tour with soul blind for in january and so like even then it was like at the end of the year last year like well should we still do it like we have it it's going to be done and shipped soon then i got the actual vinyl like maybe we wait like we don't know what's going on
0: right right and
1: obviously then like You know, there was all the social unrest and it was supposed to come out right around there. Like, damn, you know what? Maybe we wait. And so timing worked out perfectly because then like Hum released an album. And so I was like, our window is like actually now even better than what it was when we were originally going to do it. You know, Hum put out a record. Narrowhead announced they were doing a record. So I was like, let's. you know, this actually works in our favor. But um, in terms of my connection with bands, like I've been very fortunate. Shout out to Axe to Grind podcast. I don't know if you are our listeners, but uh, big love to Tom and a good friend of mine that I met during my, my time in New York. But, you know, they were all on, uh, on an episode talking about Rule the Mall, And that was right around where I was like, I want to put something out. And so they talked also about the qual- it
0: Also a quality oh, release too. Wow. So,
1: good. <laughs> so, you know, I took, took the leap of faith, reached out. It happened to work out that they were re- getting ready to record. And so that was kind of the start. But just since then, like, I don't know, I just love music so much that I keep my ear to the ground pretty yeah. heavily. Um, and I, and then it's just from there is like how do I use and rely on relationships I have with bands or people I know to right. do that, and so and that's that um, scene,
0: man. That's, that's, that's that like, scene, know, right?
1: It, and, it all comes and, back to relationships. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it, it always people does. I've
2: never met face to face. Right. Yeah, and
1: that's the other thing that just also blows my mind. Like everything I've done in terms of release, I've I've had to love it because. Yeah there's a wide variation in what i've put out too and i oh for sure i think that's what's great i think those are great yeah
0: it's like i'm like oh this like like just to put a mix together of some of the stuff that you guys have released it's this good sort of meandering tale of like you get a good mood going on with every different thing gives you something different
1: and that's a big part of my releases too is like honestly sometimes what comes across my table i guess so to speak is like if it's the mood or my sentiment at the time, like if it clicks, it it helps, you know what I mean? Like for downward, again, I was like in that spot where I was kind of bummed and like, oh, the melancholy, slow (laughs) Radiohead. you know, it was like, boom, you know what I mean? And this summer with like Blind Idol and Tyson sending that to me, it's like, I hear that Kyle sounds just desperate. You can hear the strain in his voice. I like that, like, that's how I feel. And so again, even with teaching, it's like, if you're not in it, it's not going to go right. over well. And it's right. thing with releases like and again I've been f- completely fortunate to I could list every band and tell them how much I love them and what specific aspects I love about them, but like I'm I've been extremely grateful and fortunate to be able to work with the bands I worked with for sure.
0: That's rad. That's rad. And so I, you, I we could talk we could talk punk rock forever and and, and hardcore oh, yeah. forever. But here's what I here's what we do on the show. We always this is how we wrap the show. Right. Uh, I I want to know. We always talk about what have you been listening to, Nick. What What's the oh, okay, thing good. that got you going this week? What's the right. What's the track or the the album or the band that's got you this week?
1: You need to check out a band called Zulu. Okay.
0: Oh, that's great. That's such. A, that's a. I listen to that on. Uh, is it? They put it out on Bandcamp. I'm trying to remember where yeah, I listened to it. Yeah, it's just on
1: Bandcamp. It's yeah. called uh, My People. Hold on, Yo yeah. Anaya. I know I've messaged you. This shit is incredibly awesome and timely, and I love it. Um, I'm actually next week in class playing that intro track called Black Current because it's really powerful how he lets that woman step forward and give the black right. woman experience and all the you know nice. the, the expectations of that. So I'm gonna play that for students next week. So I've been I've been rocking that constantly. Um, you know, it's cheesy as it is. I've been listening to a lot of NMZ bands, two of which are will be out soon, um, and both very different. So I'm also gonna say that like we're gonna get something that is in the realm of like polished terror kind of hardcore but it's all from right. chicago and i feel like super attached to some of the lyrics and ideology behind it and then we're going to go back to oklahoma because again roots right so it's going to be an oklahoma dreamy uh music thing again too Ooh, nice yep yeah, so i've listened to a lot of that um zulu those things Tones. right right all right yeah. cool
0: i want i want to thank you for being the show It was great to talk a little, a little education, a little punk rock, a little scene with you. Good blend. Where can the folks find you in the world of the internets? Where can they find Numerality? What, what, what can they check you out at?
1: Yes, I will be at numeralityzine.com. That kind of acts as my hub. It's almost like a blog of just things I post, usually just release related. There's a store link there to a store envy. I'm on Instagram under Numerality Zine. The occasional Twitter, which I still am not quite sure how it works, but that is also Numerality Zine. Um, yeah, so definitely feel free find me, chat me. I, I Again, one of the biggest things that we I've said this hundred times, like human connection, and I, that's something I love to even with the Zine is like I love just talking with people, you know. And I think uh, writing notes in people's orders, like that, is stuff that I really love because I think again makes me want to continue to do this versus it just being some sort of monetary exchange for a product because I think it just loses again, that idea of value and like connection. So please hit me up.
0: Yes. Hit up, Nick. Go, go Go buy, go buy an album, go buy a t-shirt. Is the shirt still up? The shirts, is the shirt still up for the school? I've got two long
1: sleeves. Oh, for the school. So the back to school shirt. Yeah. So today I was telling somebody about it. Like, wait, you did that? I was like, yeah, like you didn't promote it. Well, I was like, damn, So I'm getting those prints tomorrow, but I might put them back up for a while because somebody was like, I don't think you did a good enough job of saying I I totally missed it. I totally missed the the new back to school shirt. I might bring it back and shout out to my student, Rosie. She was the first to respond with a book and it's about um, the history of black women's hair. So I'm excited to purchase that book with $6 of that. Yeah, So that will be mailed to her home from a local bookstore called Semicolon, which is a black owned business in Chicago. So that's fantastic. Trying to, again, like there has to be a culmination of all these things and they have to be connected. If not, why, why are we doing this? So
0: go check out new morality zines, pick up something, uh, support the scene, support Nick, support what he's doing and support like the greater good. Like that's the beautiful thing about punk rock and hardcore is that when it does it right, when it, when it, when it does what it can do to uplift people, It is an amazing thing. So, Nick, thanks for being on. Everybody, you can find Mike and I on the internets. We have the same Instagram and Twitter, so Punk Classrooms for both. I'm at Josh R. Buckley. Mike's at Earnshaw. You can find us on the web at Punk Rock Classrooms. Do all that good stuff. Thanks for tuning in. Mike and I will see you at At the show. show.